Well, good morning, church. I wanted to read you what I got as a praise report this week from Greg before I start talking. Hold on, let's not go there yet. Did anybody see the movie with Mel Gibson, The Man Without a Face? Yes, great movie, right? You remember the part where he's tutoring that boy and he sticks his face out and he says, go ahead, take a good look. Get it over with. Okay, yeah, I had a weightlifting accident, if you're wondering. Um, Take a good look. Get it over with. It's a black eye. It wasn't pretty. And your pastor didn't handle it too well when it happened. But that's okay. Listen, so uh, this was the praise report I got this week. Uh, I went and visited. Uh, I went and visited Gregory Tuesday at the hospital, and we all know Gregory's been in the hospital, and we love him as a church family, as a church whole, and we've been loving on the Chance family. And so I went and visited Gregory Tuesday. We hung out for a little bit. We talked some just regular, casual stuff. I prayed with him, and I departed the hospital. Well, the next day. Greg texts me. He says, wow, I just talked to Angel. Gregory's coming home today or tomorrow. I said, that's great news. He says, yeah, totally dumbstruck. They told Angel he's made a 95% improvement in the time since you visited him. And I was like, man, God is good. God is good. All the time. Anybody here ever drive all the way home and have no idea how you got there? And I'm clarifying you're sober. Okay. Anybody ever done this? Yeah. Every day. How did I get here? I don't remember turning the steering wheel once. I don't remember the road. When I looked up, I was home. You ever been in the kitchen doing something? You've done it a hundred times. And you cut yourself. And now you're going to remember for the next five or ten times when you perform that activity, you're going to remember that cut. And you're going to think about being careful, right? We've all experienced that. I tried to use some things that I think everybody's done, even the younger crowd, right? We just do something and we get hurt and we're like, dang, I could have avoided that if this Do you ever just assume a situation you've been in before is going to go a certain way because you've been there, done that? Yeah, I think we all do that, right? My wife won't be mad at me because some complacent answer will come out of my mouth. Yes? That's pretty normal. I've been there, done that. Who's been there, done that in the last 24 hours? Lots of hands. I love it. I love truth. We're leveling up this year, right? What I tell you, everybody in this room, everybody in this church, everybody in this church family is going to level up one notch in your belt this year, 20-year Christian vet, 30-year Christian vet, new believer in faith. I don't care. You're going to level up. That is our theme for the year. Yes, we are rising up. Okay then don't get mad at me when I give you today's message. Okay? My mom and dad won't care because some complacent answer will follow a child, correct? They won't care because I've got them all figured out, been there, done that. I already know what to expect. We call that an assumption. 
My boss won't care because some complacent answer, etc. I think we've all been there. I think we're all there at something right now in our life. Yes? I, uh, these were just a couple examples I've given of, a, of, of what a complacent person does. You know why I complacently don't know how I got home? Because I've been driving longer than my kids have been alive. <laughs> right? You, you know, I know these roads like the back of my hands. I can chop tomatoes and dice them up faster than anybody. I should be on a chef show. Been there, done that. Things become second nature to us as humans. Being complacent, unfortunately, is a natural human thing, just not a good one. Would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, becoming complacent is a scary place to be, and we're all there. We are all there. I was listening to that song. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. Right? I was getting fired up because I'm like, ooh, wait till I give the message today. And then the verses that were being read, I'm like, man, there is a spiritual connection going on in our church because I don't plan things with Skip on that. I let the Holy Spirit do his job, and I'm here, and Skip's here, and the Holy Spirit keeps us in union because what he gets up here and sings, I didn't even plan with him. The verses that they, these guys read, I didn't plan. That's how good God is. Everybody, I want to say that Mark and Jill are here today. Hi, Mark and Jill. We are so glad they're here. When I showed up here to Yuba City and we church shopped for a while, we ended up in this room. We sat right there in that zone. Then we moved over there. But the first week, I think we sat there. And I listened to Mark get up here and, and preach. And I said, I want to come back here next week. This is where God, I think this is where God, I don't, it doesn't take me long to hear what God's doing in my life. You will experience this as you get more in the thing. You know, you remember I, remember I told you guys the, uh, let me go home and pray about it. You guys remember that one? Let me go home and pray about it. That means let me go home and think of an excuse of why I cannot be of service. Because everybody that was called in the Bible, it was do this now. And right now we're in the series, It's Your Turn. We talked about Moses' stubbornness. We talked about Joshua's willingness. We talked about the sinner Rahab, who God can use anyone. And we talked about the direction of life that Rahab took after and her place in the kingdom in the lineage of Christ. From a person who lived in an area that God was going to give over to the Israelites. You guys know that your eternal salvation is sealed. I come up here and I tell you and I remind you almost every week I quote to you that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I remind you of that every week. But that's after you die.
That is after you die. Are you going to hear, we're really glad you made it? Boy, you barely, boy, you barely got here. Or good job, well and faithful servant. What do you want to hear? Because I think there's an answer for a lot of us. What happens when you become complacent in your spiritual life, folks? What happens? I go to church every Sunday. Great. What happens when you become complacent about speaking spiritual things? What happens when you become complacent in that area of your life? That looks like, what does that look like, Chris? It just means you stop talking about God and what God's doing in your life, and you stop having any, you just stop talking about God. The miracles of God, the salvation you've received, you just stop talking about God. That sounds like you're not confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead. Or at least you're taking out one part of the equation, yes? What happens when you become complacent about disobeying God? Anybody in this room disobey God? Anybody in this room disobey a traffic signal on the way here? Anybody here disobey a speed limit on the way here? Did anybody disobey man's law today? Okay. So you were complacent in this area of your life, yes? Been there, done that. I know this highway. I know where the CHP parks. Your pastor got a speeding ticket last week. Oh, yes, I did. Hold on, I'm going to tell myself more. 91 in a 65. Highway 99. And the best part was I thought to myself, I'm glad he clocked me at 91 because a moment ago I was at 104. I will always tell on myself. I was wide awake. My CPAP has been keeping me awake when I drive. Funny story. Thank you. I'm going to add it in. We'll make you laugh real quick and we'll get back here. I told Elena this story, but it was, it was, I was driving home from Reading for work, and when I don't use my CPAP, they ask you the CPAP test, like, do you get tired when you watch TV? Do you nod out and get tired when, you sleep, when you're driving? Do you get tired when you're sitting still? The answer for me on all those is yes, level three, four. So I'm driving home one day. I'm it, Gridley? Gridley. Home. Gridley? South Yuba City. My son called me, talked to me for 16 minutes. That was somewhere in Live Oak when I recall the conversation. To which I text him later, I said, hey, I think I was asleep when you called me earlier and I was driving. He replied with, yes, dad, you sounded totally out of it like you were drunk. It was scary. I drove home like that. Sober. So, anyways, that's not a funny story, but 91.65, your pastor got a ticket for being disobedient. Okay? 
So what does that tell me about all the times I come back up 99, I'm on my way home and I'm speeding and I get a ticket finally? I was being complacent. I get to add this fun one in. In my garage with my weights, I am super complacent. How do I know? This happened. This week, when I was going to give this message, and I'd already written it. God is good. Okay? You like those little affirmations? I know I do. Okay, so, what happens when you become complacent in your grace, mercy, and favor? I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. I'm going to make you guys come up and sing. I'm going to make you come up and sing with me. But I'm not going to sing. There are many questions you and I all have when it comes to our salvation. Salvation is a simple thing, but yet you're filled with questions. New believer, 20-year veteran. Some of us are filled with questions. Our questions stem from fears and doubts, but most of those fears and doubts are based off our own complacencies. That's why we're questioning ourselves in those areas of our life. How does God feel about the fact I was doing 91 and a 65? How does God feel about the fact that I just assume I'm going to be under grace and mercy? These are the many questions we all have when it comes to our salvation and when we think about our sin. Yes or no? We all wonder these things when we have what? Sin and disobedience lurking in our life. We wonder these things. Where is my salvation? What's going to happen? Am I going to go to heaven? I'm being a bad boy. Anybody here bad this week? Did anybody here question your obedience to God this week. Okay. We're getting somewhere. I love it. So then what do we do? Well, then we want to look to the word for answers, yes? Because we got praise songs that just give you, they, we just fill you up. We pick you right up off of that low spot in the ground. We put you on your feet. We dust you off. We sing Hallelujah. We pat you on the butt and we say, get back out there. It's like football. Well, that's the way football used to be. I don't know what's going on today. I will usually, oh, I put this here. Or you skip that step. You skip going to the word and you just come and you ask me. Right? Pastor, I was experiencing this. I've had a couple people ask me for one-on-one time in the church and I've given it to them and it's been nice. And I've watched them grow emotionally and spiritually after those conversations. You know who you are. I will usually answer your question with a positive affirmation that your sin is part of your human nature and I will reflect on Romans chapter 7. You can go there later if you have not read it. 
I use this chapter to review what goes on in the physical and spiritual battle of man and woman versus sin. I do not give this scripture as a get out of sin free card. And I will remind you of that when I read it to you and when I discuss it. I will remind you that scripture is not a get out of sin free card. That is a take a look at who you are card. Today I'm going to give you some scriptures to reflect on. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to move into some notes. I'm going to send you all home thinking about this stuff. It's going to be great. Now, while I want you to remember and focus on it being your turn, what's the name of our series right now? That's our yearly thing. What's the name of our series right now? It's your turn. We talked about Moses. We talked about Joshua. We talked about Rahab. And this week, if you've cheated and looked in your notes, we're talking about Samson. You're not cheating. I provided you these notes ahead of time. Now, while, again, I want you to remember and focus on it being your turn, this week I'm going to answer some of the questions that we talked about a little while ago. We're going to talk about it with a powerful story. Okay, it's your turn. If you want to grab your Bible or you want to follow in your notes, and if they're too small, get your large print. And you can also follow up on the screen up here. I have all the scriptures on the video monitors. And I'm going to read this to you. You know I always say I'm not going to stop, but I do when I hit points that I want to stop and reflect on something. But let's just move through it because I do have a few here. Judges chapter 13 Verses 3 through 7 and 24 through 25. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. That means dedicated to the service of God. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The woman ran and told her husband, a man of God appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. Empathy, put yourself in that situation. I love it when we do that. This is for you to put yourself in this situation. I didn't ask where he was from and he didn't tell me his name, but he told me, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink nor eat any forbidden food for your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. Verse 24, when her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord, what? Blessed him as he grew up. And what? And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Mahanahadan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtal. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in that place. 
Now recall, this was before Christ came, this was before Christ's return, and this was before the Holy Spirit was breathed on all people. This was God's choice for this person to have the Spirit of the Lord on him. So it says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Now Joshua 14, verses 5 through 6 and 18 through 19. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. And he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. Samson was a power lifter. See this? <laughs> That's not in there. I just made that up. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. But he didn't tell his father or mother about it. Verse 18. So before the sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer... You wouldn't have solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who had solved his riddle. But Samson was furious about what had happened, and he went back home to live with his father and mother. He was preparing to be married there. So now, two times... First, the Spirit of the Lord is stirring on him as a child. Two times in his life, the Spirit of the Lord has come powerfully upon him. Anybody here have God show up and come upon you powerfully and do something in your life? Anyone here experience that? Okay, good. Judges 15, 14 through 15, and 18 through 20. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrists. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed 1,000 Philistines with it. Verse 18, Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, You have accomplished, you, Lord, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? Oh, the complacency of God's mercy and favor and grace. So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place the spring of the one who cried out, and it is still in Lehi to this day. Samson judges Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. And the last verse of the day. Judges 16, 19 through 22. Delilah... Man's best friend. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down. And his strength 
left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, been there, done that. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left them. Highlight that in your Bible. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. I'm sorry, that is a sad place to be. Let me make it an empathy statement for you. Tomorrow you're going about your day and you commit that same act of sin you've been committing for the last seven years and four months. And in that moment, God is fed up. You have broken your vow and you don't even realize the Lord has left you. What does that feel like? Okay, you can go home now. Scary, man. So, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. All right. A lot of scripture. It's your turn. But what does that look like? Is it your turn to rise up? To step up? Is it your time to be, are you Moses? Let's look at this story here. Are you Moses? God's calling you to do something and you have nothing but excuses of why you can't do it and why you don't want to do it. And I will remind you all again as I have in this series what happened to the one man who told God no. He ended up in the belly of a fish. Okay? Are you a Moses? Or are you a Joshua? Ready to serve. Maybe a little fear, but you trust in the Lord and you're ready to go forward. And he said, get up and take the people across, and he did. He did everything the Lord told him to do. Good, good job, faithful servant. Are you Rahab? Have you been plucked out of darkness and used by God? And now he's using you more? And you don't know what the future has for you, and you might be a pastor one day. I don't know. Are you a Rahab or are you a Samson? You were born into a Christian home, went to church your whole life. You always believed in Jesus. Things have been good, things have been bad, but God has been with you. God has been with you through everything, thick and thin, so much so, you are completely complacent. And the scary part of that is before you realize it, God may leave you. Why? Because of your disobedience. Because of your complacency. What about my salvation? Sealed, done. Confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, and believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
But that doesn't mean he needs to fill you with his power and do amazing things through you. In fact, he'll take his power from you and have your eyes gouged out. Think Samson went to heaven? Absolutely. Not before he went through much pain and suffering. God called Samson even before he was born, folks. God called you before you were born. You didn't end up in this church by accident. You didn't end up in whatever church you were in the day you gave the life, your life to the Lord. The day that you said, Jesus, you are Lord, I believe that you died on that cross, and I believe that you rose again on the third day, I believe that, and I'm going to speak that for the rest of my life. Okay? You were called even before you were born. He was consecrated before birth to be of service to God under special vows, was he not? His mother was given specific instructions in the way he was to live his life. You have been given specific instructions in how to live your life. It's either in your hand in a big book right now, or you have it on an app, or you're reading it in front of you on that sheet of paper. You have been given God's word. You have been given God's instructions on how to live your life. Romans 7 is not a get-out-of-sin-free card. Let's look at number two. This is where we all go here. Samson's life started well. Your spiritual journey started well. You gave your life to the Lord. You went to church for four years or your whole childhood. You were plugged in. Somebody even asked you to get involved, and you did. You sang in the front. You helped in the back. You got asked to come up here and preach. You own a ministry. You rang your phone in church. I'm kidding. I don't care whose that is. <laughs> I, when a phone rings in one of these moments, I'm always like, yes, Lord. Listen, Samson's life started well, as I'm sure yours did too, the day you gave the, your life to the Lord, because you were in a bad place when you gave it to him, most likely. And then he restored you, and he shook all the dust off of you, and he patted you on the butt, and he said, get back out there. Samson's life started well. Bullet point A, the spirit of the Lord began to stir, on him, stir in him from his youth. Do you remember that part in the story? I'm highlighting the story. I'm highlighting the story. You know what it feels like to have the spirit of the Lord stir up in you? Anybody know what that feels like? Yeah. It must have been hard to be Samson because... Before he realized it, he didn't even realize the Lord had left him. Bullet point B, it is noted three additional times that the Spirit came upon him powerfully. Samson's story carries a lot for, carries a lot for uh, looking at what God can do and how he can strengthen and use us. And how powerful the Spirit of the Lord can be on your life. But it's also a reminder to not become complacent. 
Bullet point C, my favorite part here. Even though he lived recklessly, he was still able to accomplish great feats of physical strength. Even though he lived in sin and had a wild man attitude, God's grace, mercy, and favor remained on him for a period of time. For a period of time. Because our last scripture shows that there was a period of time where he lost that strength. Number three, Samson continued to grow into a pattern of reckless presumption of God's favor. Right? Did you see? Now, you've got to go home and read the whole story. I just grabbed you some snippets about when the Lord came upon him powerfully. But you've got to read about this guy. Especially this part about uh, Delilah. He wasn't even supposed to be with her. She was a Philistine. And he was a Nazarite. Consecrated from birth. Sleeping with the enemy. He was in love with the wrong person. Why? Why? Because he lived recklessly and because his reckless presumption of God's favor, he said, been there, done that my whole life. I've ripped apart animals, jawbones. I've killed a thousand Philistines. God is with me. I am good. Sound like Something you might tell yourself? Three, again, Samson continued to grow into a pattern of reckless presumption of God's favor. How about I put reckless complacency of God's favor? A, he believed God would be with him no matter what he did. Don't we all like to do that? Don't we all like to do that? I'm good, man. I got God. When was the last time you went to church? I don't know. When was the last time you told somebody about the Lord? I don't know. Hey, the last time I heard somebody talking about the Lord and you didn't want to feel uncool, you didn't even talk about him. Well, I mean, it's kind of, a, kind of an awkward situation. Okay. He believed God would be with him no matter what he did. After being tricked by the enemy, and you know who your enemy is, the adversary, the devil, and he is out to steal, kill, and destroy you and your faith. He would be happy to see the Lord's power taken from you. He would enjoy that very much. After being tricked by the enemy, he allowed his special vow to be broken. What was his vow? He was to never drink, and he was never to cut his hair. What happened? He cut it, his hair got cut. He didn't even cut it. Somebody cut it for him. You don't even have to choose to do something stupid. The devil will do it for you. And before you realize it, the Lord will leave you like he left Samson. See, for the first time in his life, his strength failed him. For the first time in his life, he wasn't able to say, God is going to be with me no matter what. Because guess what? Right now in this moment, God is not here. Would you like me to remind you of someone else that happened to do? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is the brief moment where all the sins of the world came upon Jesus Christ. 
And sin separates anyone and everything from God. And in that moment, he did not feel God's presence. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The sins of the world came upon him in that moment. And Samson's vows were broken and his strength was gone. For the first time in his life, his strength failed him. And I like D, the last bullet point. We'll close this up and I'll send you guys home soon with a couple key takeaways. Tragically, he didn't realize the Lord had left him. I like the word tragically because that is a tragedy. That is a true tragedy, you guys. That is a true tragedy. He didn't realize the Lord had left him. I want you all to go home and say that to yourself many times. I asked you to highlight it in your Bible, highlight it in your phone, text it to yourself. Did you know Apple, iPhone, Android, if you just text your own phone number, it'll say voicemail and send you that text and it'll stay in your phone and you can remember and read it. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Remind yourself of that this week. In our Christian life and calling, God's love for us indeed does endure forever. But we should never presume that God will continue to protect us from negative consequences of our sustained disobedience. What does your sustained disobedience look like? I don't want to know yet. What does your sustained disobedience look like? Why do you want to know, Chris? Because if we continually disobey God, he will still love us, but we might lose, at least temporarily, his power for our calling. That is what happens. Yes, ma'am. That is what happens. If we continually disobey God, he will still love you. God will never stop loving you. God loves everybody as much as he loves you that have not even accepted him. He loves them just the same as he loves you. God will never stop loving you, but he will take his power from you. If you live a life of continuous, sustained disobedience, he will rip that calling from you as he did Samson. He will take away your power. Now, Samson fulfilled his calling. He destroyed the Philistines and did rescue Israel. But he had to have his eyes gouged out and he had to lose his strength. And his life ended shortly thereafter. The end was not fun for him. His end was just that. Once his hair was cut, he was tied up in bronze chains, put between the pillars and worked in prison in, gra in the grain and did grain in the prison until the day they brought him into the courts and he pushed the pillars and he died. And he destroyed the Philistines. But it sure didn't sound fun because he couldn't even see. His eyes had been gouged out. If you watch movies you shouldn't see and watch somebody get their eyes poked out, B.B. and I were watching Steven Seagal marked for death last night, and it was like midnight. I was half asleep, and I just saw Steven Seagal get that guy's eyes right out. And, I remind, and I'm like, I'm talking about that tomorrow. How weird. What a way to go. What does that look like in your spiritual life today? Whatever your spiritual gift is, imagine it being stripped from you. 
key takeaway today, guys. We need to deal with habitual sin to experience God's maximum fruitfulness and power in your calling. Okay? I'm going to repeat that. We need to deal with habitual sin so that we can experience maximum fruitfulness in our calling. Because if you continue in sustained disobedience, the Spirit may leave you and your eyes will be gouged out and you will lose your strength in whatever metaphorical way that applies to you. How do I know? How can you be so certain, Chris? Well, it happened to Samson. And Samson was called and dedicated before he was born. This week, ask God to reveal and help you overcome any habitual sin. Okay? That's what we need to do this week. If we're going to rise up and we are going to level up as a church, we have to deal with sin. Sin has to be cast out. And the worst offender is habitual sin. So this week, I challenge you to ask God to reveal and hope, help you overcome any habitual sin. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for the story of Samson, Lord. I thank you that you bring it to our attention, Lord God, that, 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 that sometimes, Lord, there's things in our life that we need to pluck out and get rid of instead of having it plucked out of us. Lord, we know that you carry a big two-by-four. And we know that you'll take our shins out when you want to get our attention, as you did Samson. So, Lord, I pray this week that you give this church family the ability to reach out to you, Lord, to acknowledge, accept, repent any habitual sin going on in our lives, Lord. Any sin that is helping us continue in sustained disobedience to you, Lord God, bring it to the forefront of our mind, Lord God. Give us the ability to pray to be willing to change it, Lord God. Give us the ability to say, Lord, I, don't, I like this, but I, but I need to give it to you, so give me the strength and help me be willing to give this to you. Lord, make that their prayer this week. Lord, I beg you, Lord, I thank you. I pray for everybody here. I pray that we all have a great week, Lord. Bless this church family. Bring us all back next week whole and add one more. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.